I believe if you want to be a coach, it's not just to pay the bills. You as a coach, you gotta be able to coach every level and have an eye for every level. This is the Rower's Choice Podcast. This is Alex Del Sordo at another Rower's Choice podcast. This is my last one in Sarasota, Nathan Benderson Park. We are on the fifth floor overlooking an absolute beautiful afternoon of rowing, masters rowing today. And today I have our first Olympian, uh, Frankie Viacava. Frankie, uh, I want to get right into the 1984 Olympics. What did you row? Uh What was the training like? What was that experience like, man? I want to hear from you, man. What, what was it like being an Olympian in uh, 1984? Okay, uh, the story is, is a little long, but I'm going to try to keep it short. Um, I was in a row in the eight, and I was actually sitting number one seat. And, uh, and I was not doing very well, so I had a little argue with my coach saying, coach, the boat's not moving. He told me, well, you're the weakest guy, so, <laughs> um, you know, he kind of... Uh, say in front of everybody, say, well, if I'm on the weakest guy, I shouldn't be in this boat. So I left the boat, and, um, and that was the only boat that they wanted to qualify for the Olympics. Uh, and what country was this for? For Peru. For Peru, okay. Yeah. And then I was looking for singles, and, you know, it gets very political. All the singles were the rig. Then I was looking for pairs. All the pairs were the rig. And the only boats that were uh, rig were the pair with. So I was 149 pounds, and they say there is no way that this guy is going to jump in the pair with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, you're like almost like a coxswain. Yeah, <laughs> I, oh, I was. I mean, actually, you know. Um, so I went to, I went to, I rode the cox pair, number seven seat, decided to leave the A2 because the A was not moving. And uh, we rode the pair day of the trials and we had the national record and then we proved 15 seconds after that we won we i mean we really beat the national record by over 35 seconds whoa the peruvian national record you beat wow yeah yeah but you know still you know i'm 147 49 pounds you know so we'll qualify to the south american games we met on the South American Games, and then we went to the Pan American Games. And yep. at that time, they didn't have spots like today. Like uh, you know, they have you know ten spots or nine spots. Uh, mm-hmm. um, they say you know if you medal the Pan American Games, um, you go to Olympics. Right. And uh, you know, um, so we met all the Pan American Games and went to Olympics. Wow. And, uh, and you know, I had to raise Ray Grave and I had to raise Abagnale. <laughs> yeah. Um and I looked more like a coxswain. <laughs> yeah, I, bet, um, I know you did at that point. But I made it and, and I think I was the first Peruvian in 40, 50 years that made Olympics. Whoa. So it was uh it was fun. It was fun. How did you do at the Olympics? Uh we made the B final. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't I don't think we had a bigger engine to do any better. So B final in the Olympics, I mean, that's better than any, most anyway, so that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. (laughs) 
I did look up some of your history. You became, coaching was your passion at that point, right? Absolutely. So that's, you just jumped into it. Now you've coached all over the world. Yeah. Can you tell some of the, list, the listeners some of the places that you've been and, and coached? Yeah, um, I coach, um, I've, you know, I coach a, in a, a rower from New Zealand that he was in the pair with. Okay. Um, I coach also in a girl from the Netherlands, Monica Manius. Um, I coach um, also, I was actually, um, I coach people from Argentina, from Uruguay, from Puerto Rico, from Costa Rica, from um, uh, also in Italy. I spent in Luco six months training in Italy and coaching. And, and you said before the podcast, you're an Italian. Yes. Turned Peruvian. Yes. And now you live in America coaching in Miami. Is that? Uh, coaching Miami. Yeah. Wow. Um, I started my own club called Miami International Roadhouse. Um, uh, just, just because I just wanted to do something. Uh, what? So, okay. There, there, I, I'm, there are so many things to talk about here. <laughs> Okay, I do want to I do want to touch on Miami International Rowhouse. Yes. What is that? How did you get that started? Because I do want to dive into your rowing experience and the differences around the world. But but yeah. tell me and talk to me about the Miami International Rowhouse. What yes. what is it? It's a is a actually is a house by the canal. Okay. And it was owned by a doctor Aldo Berti, and he started there um, in the nineteen seventies. So he decided to start a club called American Barge Club. He uh, retired as a neurosurgeon and he decided to sell the house and I bought the house. Oh, wow. And I started a club. <laughs> so you have, how many boats are at the, at the club? I have close to 35 boats. 35 boats? Yeah. Where do you store these things? Um, we just call it Japanese. Uh, <laughs> the origami. Yeah, we, yeah which is, yeah. We, now, uh, do you live in that house? Is that your home? That, that was the main idea, but uh, it, uh, we couldn't do it. Um, uh, it was it was growing so fast in the first yeah. three years that we had to move out. Wow. And, uh, so it's private members, right, that rent members. space from you for, yes. for place. And then you own your own equipment that I guess yes. you lease out or rent out? Yes. Holy yeah. cow. What kind of boats do you have in that facility um, in terms of manufacturers? Like how, what other? We have Resolute, Hudson's, uh, Fluids. We have Philippi's. Yeah, Mall. Yeah, yeah, Mall. Yeah. 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 Wow. Now, I, I, I wanted to jump back really quick in 1984. What kind of boat did you row? What was the manufacturer in 1984? Don Radico. Don <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that I love was, that. Uh, that was uh, Filippi, the old Filippi. Yeah. Uh, now, with, with Miami International Rowhouse, how many members do you have part of your club right now? We have 20 juniors and 25 masters. And then what, what, what events do your juniors race in? Uh, we row... I concentrate a lot of middle schools on sculling. Okay. I, do not encourage my kids to go into sweeping because uh, I like to take them very slow.
you have you have been all over the world. You've experienced all, racing all over the world and training all over the world. U.S. primarily focuses on sweet boats. The moment you start rowing, um, it's been like that. I, my friends have injuries because of overuse of, of overextending and staying on one side. I remember when I went into college, my coach said, "Can you row port side?" This is no. Like I, I can only row starboard. I am a seven seat. That's all I do, right? So can we can we talk about some of the differences, specifically in training, and early training between all the countries that you've been to in America right now? Okay. Um, when I was in Europe, you know, I've been in England and, and also in um, Italy mainly. Uh, and also I spent some time in, in Switzerland and, you know, uh, and also, you know, traveling a lot with national teams. So I, I used to spend extra time, you know, on staying in clubs and stuff. Uh, so actually one of my mentors was uh, Pimino Brothers, the one that was, uh, you know, three-time Olympians in the, in the pair. So he was one of... One of my main teachers, beside Thor Nielsen, oh, wow. and uh, Chris Korsanowski also. Sure. And um, but those those are the guys that I learned a lot. Now, what do you find to be difference in training from um, the, the the small levels of youth rowing in the UK, in Italy, in America? What what do you see are the differences? Oh, the the differences is that they spend more time in, um, I would say, developed athlete. Um, racing is not kind of the main thing, it's the fun thing. And they don't throw them at, like uh, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. Rowing sweet middle schools is a big mistake. Hmm. And you can see the kids rowing, you know, uh, 36 stroke per minute, uh, 12 years old, it, it just, so wrong and and sorry if I criticize that. No, uh, they no. use middle school programs so they can pay the bills of the club, and and I consider that they're they're hurting the kids and they're making their their life and rowing very short. Um, I will encourage all those coaches to uh, row octopus or quad with coxswains. Um, that would be so great for United States. It would, I mean, it would be amazing. I think it's just nobody wants to take that transition because, first of all, there are not a lot of calling coaches. Sure. Uh, so when you talk to a sick coach to start a teaching calling, they just don't want to do it because they don't feel familiar. But um, if you are a talented coach and you can teach sweep, I'm sure you can teach calling. Okay, so there's a there's a couple big points here that I think coaches in America need to understand. One, you're saying in Europe it's all about developing the athlete and racing is the fun part. Here, it is different, right? It's not about developing the athlete, it's about making them winners and, yeah. and making putting so much anxiety and pressure on the athletes to win. Yeah. The other thing that you're saying is there's a limited number of sculling coaches, quality sculling coaches in America. I completely agree. Now, I was in Australia two weeks ago, and I sat on uh, uh, the River Yarra um, in Melbourne, mm -hmm. and I watched 10 boathouses or nine boathouses launch athletes. 90% of every boat launch was a coxed quad. Yes. 
And I had never seen anything like that in all of my rowing. And I had, I had nudged the person I was with. Her name is Sue. She works for Sykes. Um, and I said, like, is this normal? And unfortunately, she was, <laughs> she, she, she's the one that helps sell the boats at, at uh -huh. Sykes. Uh, but she's not the one that actually rows, so she couldn't answer that uh -huh. question. Uh -huh. But she says, I think so, because we sell a lot of them. Like, we sell a lot of these Cox yeah. quads. Um, there is a hole in the U.S. market for Cox quads. There's no companies building them right now. Yeah. And I know, I think it was the head of the Charles two years ago, finally launched the Cox quad event. Yeah. And we got phone calls for days. Can I have sculling rears yes. for a, a Cox boat? Yeah. And, and we, we couldn't. So that's really, um, a, that's a very good point that you make, um, that it's not about winning. It's about de developing. Now, yeah. what are things that you do at Row House? I mean, what are the, some of the things that you do? Do you link in other countries and styles of training? Yes, absolutely. Um, right now, my goal is to bring the physiological coach of the um, uh, Croatian Brothers. Mm -hmm. And um, I would love to do, uh, um, you know, some testing with blood testing and some. Uh, also, he worked with uh, you know, psychological with the athletes. I, I want to bring him over. So the, my theory of rowing is is more into, I believe that everybody can go fast. Uh, and also is, is, is but it is most of college coaches and everybody going to recruiting. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of talented athletes that, um, they are not well developed and they don't at the end they just don't find their highest capacity sure. just because they've been rushing to high school rowing up 40 stroke per minute in the novice year and then just getting recruited because all the parents say i want my kid to be recruited <laughs> recruiting 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 and what we need to do ergs and then they get into erg and then they pull a decent earth course, but the kid is not rowing very well. So it's, it's, there's a lot of things that they need to be adjusted. Is there, do you think there's a strong correlation between college rowing today and European recruiting? So most of the IRA grand finalists are foreigners, mm -hmm. from athletes from other parts of the world. Yeah. And there's very few Americans now being recruited at the collegiate mm -hmm. level. And if they are, it's very rare. Now I've been in the launch with a lot of coaches and I know that less than 10% of the athletes racing at the IRA final are American. Do you think that has to do with because of the development of, of athletes today that they're not well-trained like Europeans are? Uh, definitely. Definitely. I, 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 the American, I'm, I'm looking, you know, how Americans grow and how they create the programs. I definitely think that as you see Americans roll eights, they roll the eight beautiful. Mm -hmm. But when you go international level to the, you know, let's say the World Cup and World Championships, you know, there is only one eight, okay? Um, how many clubs we have in the United States? Like, I mean, thirteen hundred, something, yeah. fourteen hundred, whatever. And there's only space for one eight. So where is the straightforward? The pair, mm. the quad, the single. The United States, as a as an athlete, they are 
magnificent, but they don't have, they're not very sensitive to small boats, not even to the stray force and pairs. But I, I consider them, you know, I have a lot of respect. And um, every time I get somebody from up north in my club, I'm just in, rowing in singles and pairs. Like in, I would say three weeks, they're already going 20 seconds faster, hmm. you know, in 2000 meters because they're really good talent. But I believe that if you start them early, I think the United States will be really doing so well world-class level. I don't, having so many talented people, I don't know why we don't have a, an American singles calling in the final in the Olympics all the time and winning medal. Look, I'm gonna tell you, it's ingrained in me. I think the top boat is the eight. And yeah. I, that's just who I am. I, yeah. I, I was coached by, by men uh, and women in the, in the early 2000s. And I just think that in America, the culture is the big boat and you can't get around that. How do you think we go about making that culture change? How do you think, where do you think we start? Where do you think it happens? It, it, it has to change from the middle school level, no sweep. It has to start, we have to start raising at the college level. But think about it, how many coaches we have at the, uh, how many coaches we have in college? in the university teaching sweep for 20 years yeah. and they don't know anything about sculling. No, they don't. And also they don't have space for sculling boats. So there are so many changes that you have to make, but it is totally, it's just as a matter of creating a, um, just, just rowing, just great, you know, um, how to say, just have a new plan. You're right. I think you could, okay, I think you got to have the colleges start having those events. But then that gives a reason for all the middle school coaches and all the high school coaches to get in there. But I also think that you're pointing something out that we haven't directly said is we need better coaches at the middle school level. You need a much higher quality coach. I think it was uh, an interview that we had this week and even last week. Someone pointed out that novice coaching just needs to be better right and you tend to put your weak link coach with the novice and what a dumb move that can be right and look at you you're already <laughs> i wish there was a video right yeah. <laughs> so you 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 believe me you you we're, we share the same feeling is that uh, right absolutely i mean um when they get transferred from uh, to my club from other clubs i prefer if they don't mm -hmm. because they've been running for three or four years and, and, and it's just doing the wrong thing for so long. And you know, it, it is a second nature and you're subconscious and to change that is, is very hard. Especially recruiting, mm -hmm. earth scores and all the pressure on the parents. Um, my, I mean, my, my, one of my main philosophy of rowing is every stroke is important in life. Mm. That's, it's just, it's just every stroke is so beautiful and it's an opportunity. Every stroke is an opportunity in life. And, and that's how I think. And um, I have in my program, you know, even though I do high performance, I have a kid that is autistic. Really? Yeah. 
How, how is that? How is that athlete doing with 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 the team? He's blending with the team. Yeah. And you know everybody love him. Wow. It's That's great. so beautiful. And I also have seventy years old. And you as a coach, you gotta be able to coach every level and have an eye for every level. And I'm agree with you. The novices are so important. I I believe. If you want to be a coach, it's not just to pay the bills. When you are a coach, you got to be like a teacher. Okay? You love, you have, you love coaching. It should be your, page, your passion. It should be one of you just breathe rowing. And I, if you don't love to teach, if you're just going to coach fast boats, that's the wrong approach. I think you just need to learn how to listen um too many egos in coaching with mm. young people everybody that comes and coach with me they just step all over and uh, i you know i don't i'm sending home fast you know i told them you know you no willing to listen it's good it's gonna get to be up to a point that you are gonna be the head coach and you made the decisions but now i want to do things in a certain way so if i want to work on the finish and the three points and the elbows that's why you need to do the next three weeks, period. Yeah, but coach, we're racing, and I'm, you're racing at 24 strokes per minute, 22, mm. I don't care. But <laughs> can you make that finish with the three points nice and clean, posture, court, and, and that's what we need to do. Everybody should just, you know, coaches, novice coaches are gonna keep answering your question. They just wanna win, and they're not feeling the program. They're just winning a race, and then the, the head coach has to get in their boat and they are already broken. They are just not, yeah. they're not taught properly. So it's, 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 uh, for the novice coaches, first you gotta love to coach. Um, you gotta look into this uh, when, when you, you know, when you wanna do this, it's just, you gotta love it. Just, I want to tie this in a little bit. So yeah. um, I, I take notes constantly in these podcasts. Yeah. And what I hear is a couple really important things. You say that every stroke is important in life. It's an opportunity. It's yes. not the stroke is not to win the race or to be incredibly successful. It's an opportunity to get there. Right. Uh -huh. That I really appreciate. And then as a young coach, if they're sitting here, learn to listen, leave your ego at the door do not come into this building with an ego. And I think that's really, really important. But I, what I really also liked here is that last part that you said, if the plan is to fix an aspect of the stroke, don't worry about getting to the race on Saturday. The race is irrelevant, right? Because if you, if you don't spend the time making sure that the athlete has it figured out or the biomechanics of rowing, he or she is gonna lose the race in five years or in 10 years anyway. It will not matter and they will not enjoy rowing. I want, I want to now just dive into continuing that novice coach. What should novice coaches focus on? Is it, is it the technique in the boat? Is it training plans? Is it enjoying the rowing? 
As a novice coach just starting out, what else can you give them advice on? It's a novice coach is, 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 uh, is believe it or not, it's, it's very complex because um, now the new generation of kids, um, we cannot have that really um, authoritarian coaching. You know what I mean? Like uh, now the kids is you coaching hard and you're very strict equipped. Mm. Um, you know, I, I I believe the kids right now know a lot of rowing and videos. I mean, I had a kid yesterday that was coaching rowing the single. He, he won the single. And uh, say, coach, um, there is a headwind. Uh, can I change the rigging? And say, who told you you can change the rigging? Well, just... I just was looking and Googling and some people change the rigging with a headwind. I say, your coach will decide if you change the rigging. But they, he was ready to change the rigging. Wow. So, going slow. Going slow. Go slow, take your time, um, many have a good experience, and look out for the long term, just long term. I want so something that you you touched upon. Now I'm a father. I I, I have two children. I have a six year old and a four year old. And I, you're you hit so you said you can't coach them and be strict. There's so much more information out there than than ever before, where people can Google anything and see anything they want. How do you think that's going to affect coaching and athletes and our and our sport in the future? How much of an impact is that going to have? It's, it's huge. I mean, it's going to. It's going to change it in every possible way, yeah, I think. it's huge. Um, but, um, I will say one of the main problems at, at the junior level and novices is, is the parents interfere too much. Do you see that um, at, at, in Miami at, at, at your club? Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they don't know how to just go to the shore, bring the food, you know, put the tent and enjoy watching their kids. Bring, leave your ego at the door, yeah. <laughs> right? Say it I mean, to the parents. They just can't you, because they, they say, okay, do you think he can apply? Um, any you know, college coaches in this race, they're already putting pressure on the kid. Wow. The kid cannot yeah. even enjoy the rowing. Um, so it's, it's, uh, the parents are really putting a lot of pressure and, and, and being recruited is a lot of pressure and everybody's just rushing the stages of, of developing. Yeah. Um, okay, so then I guess, I guess the way to solve that would be to start them rowing earlier, but make it more fun. Absolutely. Because an, an athlete, if they're starting, typically in America, they're starting freshman or sophomore year of high school. Mm -hmm. They have two years to get good, to get recruited, to then make it to that level, right? So yeah, I think you're right. I think a, a good, Thing that U.S. rowing should look at as, a, as an organization, but also coaches in, in all these areas of the country, how to build a proper middle school program without it being at a 40-stroke minute rate, right. without it being pressured to win, win, win. They should just do it to enjoy it. That's how you – I played baseball like that. I played football like that. I just enjoyed it. I had fun, yeah. right? I don't know. But there's another hole to this, and it's the equipment. You know, these people, these students are going to be 100, 100 pounds, Right. There's not the proper equipment. I wish at Rower's Choice we could build that stuff, but it's very expensive to do. Uh -huh. How do you boat students that are 100 pounds 
that are middle schoolers? What, what, do you, what kind of equipment do you have them row? How do you have them row? What's a, a typical plan? Um, usually, um, I order to, in Constitute, they have a special blades that are much smaller. So okay. I'm in, in row for two years with a much more blade. Um, the rigging, much lighter. Um, stop testing the middle school on the ERG. I mean, the, the, the coaches, the ERG is a threat. You know, that's how <laughs> they feel very powerful. And um, I'm going to tell you a funny story. I'm going to share a funny story. Um, usually, we have a lot of singles. So sometimes we go 10, 15 singles on the water. Whoa. And, you know, to say today we're rowing 14K, today we're doing 12Ks. Um, the middle schools, they do 8Ks, mm -hmm. you know, we, we have different levels. Um, but with my varsity, it got to the point that they, it was so hard for them to row into single 14 kilometers for a week. You know, everybody complains about doing ERGs, right? And mm -hmm. testing. I didn't do one testing on the ERG. I had a revolution in my club because they were rowing the single and it was a punishment because they were feeling too lonely. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. But they told me the team captain came and said, we prefer to do the ERG. <laughs> just, just, but you know why? Because I used to align the 15 singles and go 1500, 2K that way, 2K this way. And I can see who is two minutes behind. Mm. It was so easy to pick the lineup. I know who doesn't move the boat. So what they, they told me, I don't want to row the single. We want big boats. So it was a big revolution. And, you know, I'm going through a lot in the club, and they just left to another club. Wow. And that's fine. I'm, I'm good. I believe in small boats is the key. I will keep recruiting. Wow, that is a, I, I never actually heard that before. That is yeah. the opposite of every story I've ever heard with that, right? <laughs> well, I, just because I'm in the lake alone, so I can take 15 single scholars, I'm not in Boston or Washington. No, yeah, right. so, yeah. so I can go and go single file, and I know who is moving the boat. I know who loves to be up front, and, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a different experience. It's actually, that, that, that's kind of silly. Well, let's, let's, uh, let, let me ask you, uh, I want to close with predictions. So we, yeah. it's an Olympic year. Who do you think is going to win the eight this year um, at the Olympics? I think Germany. Germany is just going to take yeah. it again? Yeah. I mean, they, they, that crew is incredibly fast. What do you know about German training? Do you know anything about? Uh, yeah, they, they do a lot of low intensity, long distance. Yeah. You know, two millimoles, low intensity, nice long rowing. Um, they... They are very precise. I mean, as you go to the world championships, you know how many, every 500 meters, they have a German guy videotaping the German team and the rest of the world. Really? They are so analytical. <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's so beautiful to see. I mean, I, I believe um, everybody wants to do like what the Germans do, I, I'm not agree because there is a different size. Um, mm -hmm. The biomechanics that they have is different. Um, do you think the men? Um, do you think the men will for US will will make a medal this year? I would love to. I mean, I would love to see I, I it. I would love to. I, I I think US 
doesn't take that yet because I, um, all a bunch of people they come out of college. Yeah. And uh, Germans they have a lot longer rowing as a club and mm -hmm. they have more years. But I think U.S. has all the potential to be number one. Um, it's just a matter of just keeping it longer after they finish college. Sure. And I don't know if that's possible. I know that's you know Teddy's doing that and they have a few people that already graduate. But you need to keep it. Uh, much longer in order to win an Olympic gold medal. You can't just be 20 or 21. You got to be. Yeah. 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 How about the women's eight? Do you think do you think the U.S. women will will be victorious this year? I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm just bought in. You love it. I um I I work with some of them. I spend some time with Tom in Chile Vista. Yeah. I think they're he's great. I think uh, they're doing a good job. Uh, I don't think it's easy. I think they want to beat U.S. eight. Um, but I I just. I wish all the best to Tom and the um, team. How about that 19 or tw a 20 year old male single scholar out of Germany? Um, uh, the guy that was a swimmer that became a single scholar, I think three or four months into it, he, yeah. he got a medal at the Worlds. Uh -huh. I mean, what do you think about that guy? Have you watched his rowing? Oh yeah, absolutely. He's a physiological beast. Um, he, he rows, you know, he's, he's huge. Um, he doesn't even use his core. <laughs> um, you know, just look to the picture, his core is open like yeah, this. Yeah, that's right. He looks like a, um, like a sea. He, he looks like a sea and, and, um, and it's, it's just a massive, you know, he was it. He was at the Olympic level. His parents, his parents were also Olympic level athletes. And yeah. I remember like watching a story on him, but he, he described placing the blade, like placing his hand in the water as uh -huh. a swimmer. And that you can't just, you just can't hack at it when you're a swimmer. Like the way yeah. they place their hands in the water and move through is really, uh -huh. there's a lot of finesse. Mm -hmm. And he explained, or the people on the, the video explained that he, play, he treats his hands in swimming like his blades in rowing mm -hmm. and how it's a very gentle approach. Um, I, 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 think, I think he is, I, if he doesn't win the gold medal, I'd be very surprised. Mm -hmm. Now you talked about the Croatian brothers. Yeah. Um, are they rowing? It's the pair, right? They're not rowing the double, right? They're, They're rowing, rowing the pair. The pair. They're rowing the pair. Yeah. yeah. How do you think they'll do this year? I think they are phenomenal, just because why they did be Olympic champions in the double. Mm -hmm. Then they're rowing the pair, and they were not winning. As you look, how they develop over the years, how they row the pair, how they approach the front end and the finish. The, their speed increase and they always figure out them and the coach mm -hmm. how to make the ball go fast i mean going from a double to a pair is not easy and also they were world champions in the quad mm -hmm. i think they're phenomenal athletes i think uh they know and i know that they have an amazing blade work good press and, um, and like you say, the German, the German is good too. He has a good blade work. I mean, he's, he needs to work on his body, but... Um, but he's just physically stronger than everybody yeah, else too. Uh, but I think the, the, the single scholar from Denmark, Nielsen, yeah. is a beautiful rower and, and the Belgian. And I mean, it's gonna be a great race. I'm, I'm really excited, especially the venue. It's gonna be yeah. wonderful. Now, I do wanna to touch on China, so... Yeah. Uh, Red Grave, right, um, yeah. is running the show. And then a, f a friend of ours, um, Hartmut Buschbacher, 
is also doing a lot of work in, in Providence over like some Chinese Providence over there. They made the decision, and he told me this about a year and a half ago, that they're gonna win a gold medal. And my God, they are moving that boat well. I think it's the women's quad specifically that they're putting all their eggs in that basket. Uh-huh. What do you think about that? Do you think China has a chance to medal um, at the Olympics this year? I, I, I believe that women's quad row so soft and easy and make things so easy. So what, the work that is done in the boat yeah. is so, it's not only hard work, it's, it's that, that work is done so well how to move the boat better. Know how to be physiological better only. Mm-hmm. It's just they go to the front end and they know exactly how to hit. They know exactly get the rhythm on the stern get the ball running straight. It's just watch and row. I have. I I spent a lot of time watching international rowing. It's it's really good. Uh, I think they're doing a lot of things right. Somebody's doing, knows how to teach there. And I love how they row. It's it's advice for American rowing. you, You have China who had no business ever being in, in a race at a regatta yeah. five to 10 years ago. Uh, now they are Olympic hopefuls in some key races and they're doing it because, just like we talked about earlier, they are training properly at the lower levels. They're hiring the right coaching staff. They are putting the effort in. If America just got its head out of its ass and said, you know what, let's make some changes to the sport, we could be like that. If China can do it in three years, we could do it in a much faster time. Absolutely. We are. We oh, have been yeah. doing this way longer. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm better. Probably. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, I, no, I'm, I'm sure. I think we have great, great athletes here. Um, but we just, I, I, when I see them rolling on the water, everybody, they roll the boat like they roll the earth. Yeah, yeah. You that's know, it's just, it's a, everybody's earth machine out there. I don't think they know how to move the boat properly, a lot of people. But they, it's, we have so we have so much raw talent in the United States. We can really win a lot of races. Well, this has been—I got to tell you—we can do this for hours. Yeah. I mean, I laugh. I—I I, I don't often find someone that can talk about rowing for days. I mean, <laughs> I. I, I, CJ knows, and I think everyone in my life knows that I can talk about high school rowing for hours on end. I have, I'm like an encyclopedia. I remember every Stotesbury winner of all time. Like I just know these things, but this has been a wonderful experience. Um, there's a couple things I just want to recap for the listeners. Um, you know, you're, you're going back to the 1984 Olympics as a B final athlete. You've, you took that and decided to make it your career. And you have, you've built You've traveled the world, you've experienced rowing at all levels, and your big advice to US rowing is let the ego out of the door, let's get back into sculling boats, let's focus on the novice rowing, and let's not focus on winning, but making that a process. Let's, the process, the winning is a process, it's part of the journey, and hopefully the people that are listening are gonna take that advice and bring it to their coaching styles, we make some differences. So. Uh, Thank you very much for doing this. And uh, I look forward to having the listeners uh, be a part of this. Thanks. This is the Rower's Choice Podcast.
Roar's Choice is made up of finish line shell repair, Resolute Racing shells, and Sykes USA.